off a new series today. It is called Seven. And here's the thing, we are diving into the seven deadliest sins that we can think of. And we're diving in because the more we identify these areas in our lives that can cause us all kinds of grief and lead us down a path to destruction, the more we can figure out how to uh, live into the life that God has called us to instead of being consumed by these deadly sins, the more we're going to be able to have victory and live into that purpose and that plan that God has for each of us. So I hope, I hope that as we dive into this series, which I believe is going to be powerful and I hope life-changing to a lot of us, I hope that you'll lean into this idea where you can just be humble before God and just say, God, when he speaks to you, God, I'm not okay. God, I'm, I'm broken and I'm hurting. And you know what, Jesus, I do need you. Because if you can approach Jesus with that level of humility, that's the antidote to the worst of the deadly sins. And that's the first one we're diving into today. It's this sin of pride, all right? Now, 1130, I know none of you guys deal with this kind of thing, right? You guys are good, right? Nobody, this is, you guys are my people, right? I don't, listen, I can be me with you guys because none of our campuses get this service. It's just you, me, and the hundreds of people joining us online today. That's it, just us. So here's the thing. When we talk about pride, come on now, that's something that none of us like to admit we struggle with, right? Because we're filled with pride, all right? It's, it's a circle that just reinforces itself and it's difficult to get victory over. But the thing, is, the thing of it is, pride left unchecked is that sin that leads us down to a lethal path of destruction. And it's the path that the devil wants you to be going down. He's going to do everything he can to consume you with this uh, elevated sense of self-worth. And when we talk about pride in the spiritual sense that we need to battle day in and day out, what we're talking about by definition today is this. Pride is an excessive view of oneself without regard for others, all right? That's the definition that we roll with today. Pride is an excessive view of oneself without regard for others. That means that when I'm interacting with people, my pride says, I am better than this person. That means when I'm experiencing a situation in life and there are things coming my way that I say to myself, I am deserving of these special things because I am amazing, right? It's all about me. The, the life that I live, the world that I live in, the universe that we all dwell in, it centers around me, right? Because I am awesome. That's pride. That's pride. And what we have to recognize today is that the contrary virtue that we all need to be striving for with everything that we have is this virtue of humility. It's the exact opposite of pride. Humility says, I'm not better than. I am not more deserving of. Pride recognizes my need for Jesus. Pride, while it says, hey, I'm, not a, I'm okay, I got nothing to hide here, I'm better than, I deserve things. Humility says, no, you know what, I'm not okay. Humility says, no, I am broken, I am hurting. Humility says, I'm desperately in need of Jesus. So when we talk about pride today, I hope that you'll realize the dynamics between these two traits, the huge difference that these paths lead us down when I choose the path of humility versus when I choose the path of pride because, man, pride is the ultimate of the seven deadly sins. It leads down a path of destruction. All of the other deadly sins, they are rooted in pride. They grow out of pride. So it's really important to root this out of our lives and make sure we're focused on being who God calls us to be and leading the way with humility. 
In Matthew chapter 5, verses 3, Jesus speaks to this as he begins his Sermon on the Mount. Now, the Sermon on the Mount is the greatest sermon ever told. Uh, Jesus preaches this sermon, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And in Matthew chapter 5, it kicks off with him giving what we call the Beatitudes, uh, all of these blessed statements that he leads with. And the one he leads with in Matthew 5, 3 simply says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now let's consider the power of this beatitude for a second. Matthew 5, 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The poor in spirit is that person who leads with humility. The poor in spirit recognizes in the, in the face and in the presence of Jesus, the poor in spirit says, I'm not okay. The poor in spirit says, I'm broken, I'm hurting. The poor in spirit is that one person who always responds by saying, in desperation, Jesus, I need you. That's what being poor in spirit means. It's marked by this character trait, this attitude of humility. And this is what Jesus is calling us to, to, to serve others, to treat others as better than ourselves. To not act like I'm more deserving of anything than anybody else, but to truly love others the way that God has loved me. I mean, here we are in this, this week where we've celebrated Valentine's Day, right? Anybody raise your hand like I had a very good Valentine's Day? Anybody like, oh, love, love is in the air, Valentine's Day. Listen, I got to tell you something that happened to me on Valentine's Day. Can I share something vulnerable with you today? Um, on Friday, Valentine's Day at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon... I took my two boys into Martin's supermarket because we needed to get a Valentine's Day card for their mother and some flowers that would be from the boys. I had my stuff taken care of, all right? Don't judge, okay? But the boys, they needed, they needed their thing. So we walk into Martin's supermarket, and this isn't an ad for Martin's, but count on us for service and savings. Um, we walk into Martin's supermarkets, and I kid you not, when we walked in, into the store at three o'clock in the afternoon on Valentine's Day, there were so many men in the floral section, in the card section. The express lane was six deep, all men with flowers, and they were all standing like this. No emotion, no joy. That's it. So I got a good chuckle out of that. I mean, this place is full of men with flowers. As, as my boys and I, are, we picked out the flowers for, for my wife. We've gone back to get the card. We walked by the express lane with the six men. And I sang. I couldn't help myself. I had an urge. I acted on it. I said, hey, guys, can we just all admit right now, this is a made-up holiday. <laughs> three of them laughed. Three of them laughed. The other guy says, Preach, brother. <laughs> True story. True story. I mean, when you got the gift, you got the gift. That's just what I do. It's what I do. I thought that was hilarious. I wanted to say, you know, I meant, you know, never mind. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> Dana didn't think that story was nearly as funny as I thought it was. She thought it was not very funny at all. Um, <laughs> But love is in the air, right? That's what we celebrated this week, Valentine's. Oh, it's amazing. Uh, we're supposed to love others the way that God loves us. That's supposed to be the life that we live, right? We're supposed to realize every single day we are dearly and deeply loved by God. Man, he loves you with an infinite love, and he loves the people in your life with the same love that he has for you. And so when we walk around in pride saying, 
I'm better than these people. I am more deserving of these things than these people. Boy, that immediately puts a barrier between not only my relationship with people, but my relationship with God. And out of that pride, man, that's what all these other sins that just trip us up and entangle us and keep us from living into the life that God wants us, that's where all of these other sins are rooted and, and what, it, what it is that they grow out of. Pride does nasty things to us. I was uh, watching uh, a video and reading the story this week of the airline video. You guys know what I'm talking about? Uh, the lady who reclined her airline seat in the airplane back into the man behind her. It spilled his drink on him. He was very upset. He asked her to put her seat back forward. She declined to do so. And for the remainder of the flight, he kept hitting the back of her chair. Has anybody seen this video? And so she's videotaping this guy who just keeps going to the back of her video. There is some level of me that is very carnal that sees that guy hitting the chair and I'm going... That's amazing. That's amazing. And then there's the other side of me that says, yeah, my seat reclines. I'm reclining my seat. Deal with it. I mean, we pride, right? We're, we get so defensive. We get so consumed with my own rights that in my pride, I start thinking I'm better than. I deserve this space. And look what happens. We act out. I'm videotaping how ridiculous this man is behind me. She looks pretty ridiculous in the video too. She doesn't realize that. The guy in the back is making a fool of himself. Boom, 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 boom. Pride. It makes us do ridiculous things. Pride is the root of all of this sin because in my own life, I reject the good that God is. I reject the love that he has for me. It's, it's me in my own life saying, God, I don't need you. God, I'm okay. I know better than you. I'm better than. I'm more deserving of. It's all about me. Man, pride alienates us from God himself. And it takes us down a path that he doesn't want any of us to experience. And I want to dive into this in this story that, that Jesus teaches us in Luke chapter 19, or in Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31, because this is the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And you don't always think about this story as being about pride, but as we unpack this today, I hope that you'll lean in to what Jesus is teaching us about pride in this story, and that you'll just be willing to grapple with this as Jesus speaks to you today. Because my challenge to you today is just to respond to however the Holy Spirit speaks to you with humility. Where if Jesus speaks into your heart and points out an area in your life where you've been struggling with pride, that you'll just be willing to respond with that attitude of being poor in spirit. Being willing to say, Jesus, you're right. I'm not okay. Jesus, you're right. I, I'm dealing with the situation. I'm hurting. I'm, I am broken. Jesus, I need you. Because that's the place where he's calling us to live. And if we allow pride to get root in our souls, guys, it kills us. It is the deadliest of sins. And here's why. Luke chapter 16. Jesus said, There was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen, and who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Now, let's just be honest. This is disgusting. <laughs> this is a horrible picture of a person who is in desperate need, okay? Lazarus is described by Jesus. I think Jesus goes out of his way to point out Lazarus is in a terrible place. He's desperate. His life consists of sitting by this rich man's gate, begging for scraps of food left over from his dinner, 
He's covered with sores and he's in such bad shape that he just sits there and dogs come and nibble on him and lick his sores. It's a terrible existence. So how does the rich man respond? Um, it says that every day he would walk by and it says finally the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried and he went to the place of the dead. There in torment he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. All right, now, we have to unpack this. We have to think about this for a second. I want to point out something, and that's this. When we talk about pride, pride in our lives, that, that attitude, that voice that says, I'm better than, I'm deserving of, I'm okay all on my own. I know better. Leave me alone. I'm fine. We're talking about pride. Let's recognize this truth. Pride is a liar. When you buy into that lie, all you're doing is creating a barrier between you and God, between you and the life that he wants you to live into. Pride is a liar. And every single day that this rich man would have walked by Lazarus, laying there in desperate, just helpless state by his gate, by his front door, every day the rich man would have walked by Lazarus, seen him there, and in his mind said, oh, this guy, it would disgust him, right? I'm, I'm better than this guy. Why is he at my gate? I don't deserve this. I'm way better than this. Pride just completely relegates the poor man Lazarus to this place of lesser than. Pride relegates everything that, that Lazarus is going to, through to, well, he must have done something to deserve that. I certainly don't deserve that. I'm going to keep on walking. Pride misses out on any act of love, kindness, mercy, grace, compassion that God would have us speak into a situation like that. Pride's a liar. I'm not better than. I'm not more deserving of. God loves the people in my life the same way that he loves me. Get that pride out of your life. So now, the rich man and Lazarus have both died. The rich man in torment in the place of the dead looks up and sees Lazarus sitting beside Abraham. And even though he is isolated from all that is good, his soul is in torment, he's in a place of torture, he still looks up at Lazarus and says to Abraham, could you send Lazarus to come give me some water? It's hot up in here. You know, <laughs> he's in hell. Okay. It's hot up in here. Okay. No? Yeah. Yeah, it's hot up in here. So, 11.30, I expected more from you. Come on. The 8.30 crowd laughed at that. Do you recognize what a big deal that is? You were supposed to laugh at that. That's unbelievable. Okay. I'm trying to keep you engaged. Okay. <laughs> he still thinks somehow that he's better than Lazarus. Let's wrap our minds around this. Abraham, will you send Lazarus over here to give me some water? It's hot up in here. No. Try it again. Yeah, so good. What a great line. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh. Pride is a liar. It, at no moment in time was this rich guy any better than Lazarus, right? At no point in time was he somehow more deserving of a life without, you know, these health issues and this terrible state that this guy found himself in. And yet as he's in torture, as his very soul is on fire, he still, consumed by pride, thinks that he can somehow order Lazarus around because he's better than. Pride is a liar. If you realize in your life at any level that you're struggling with that, 
eradicate that. Pull those roots out of your heart. Because anytime you're dealing with, I'm better than, I'm more deserving of, I guarantee you, you're missing out on an opportunity to love somebody the way that God loves you. You're missing out on an opportunity to connect someone with Jesus. You're missing out on an opportunity to live into something that has eternal value. Pride is a liar. It does not tell you the truth about yourself. So this story continues on. It says, but Abraham said to him, son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. He's saying you had every opportunity, every resource to make a difference before now. He says, so now here he is being comforted and you are in anguish. And besides, there's a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here and no one can cross over to us from there. There is a barrier. There is a divide. He finds himself in isolation. He finds himself alone. Pride is a liar, but pride is also lonely. Can we just dive into that for just a second? Pride loves to isolate you from everything that is good. Pride holds on to those chains that keep you grounded and away from the things of God and tries desperately for you to keep this mask on and pretend that everything is okay. Pride loves for you to be living in in, in secret guilt and shame, terrified that someone could actually realize that everything is not okay, that you are hurting, that you are broken, that you are desperately in need of Jesus. Pride is holding on to those chains as tightly as it can to keep you isolated from that love of God in your life, to keep you from experiencing freedom and life and joy. Pride, man, it's a liar and it is lonely. It keeps you from living into that life that God wants you to. It's, it is the vice above all others that begs us to avoid exposure, to hold our chin up and, and, and instead pretend that we are Okay. That's what pride does to us. It's a liar, and man, is it lonely. Man, this, uh, this story continues on. It says, then the rich man said, please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home, for I have five brothers, and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. Now, this is also just an astonishing moment because this guy is still so consumed with his own sense of goodness and his own sense of pride and his own sense of worth that he now is arguing with Abraham himself, the patriarch of the Jewish faith. I mean, this is near blasphemy in the Jewish tradition, all right? He thinks so highly of himself. Now he's arguing with Abraham. No, Abraham, you're not right. I know better than this. Come on. (laughs) Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I mean, if you know that song, don't keep singing it because it never ends, all right? It never ends. And if you don't know that song, Google it. No, don't Google it. You'll be sorry you ever Google it. Don't, don't sing the song. It never ends. He's fighting with Abraham, the patriarch. He's consumed with pride. It's a liar. He thinks he's amazing. It's lonely. He's isolated himself from God. And this is his eternal destiny. He still doesn't get it, which is extraordinary when you think about the path that pride takes you down. The the, the saying is, the path to hell is not a downward path. The path to hell is an inward path, consumed so much by your pride that you just fail to acknowledge that you are desperately in need of Jesus. Pride gripping those chains of isolation, refusing to let any mask be taken off, to let anyone know that you're not okay. That's what pride does to us. It destroys our soul. That's why it's so deadly. 
It isolates me from the things of God. I bind to the lie that I don't need anything. It says, but Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. The rich man replied, no, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. This is really ironic because this is, I mean, Luke chapter 16, Jesus is about to take on that very thing, right? He's about to lay himself down and be crucified to pay the price we could not pay for our sins. To then be raised from the dead three days later, he himself was actually willing to do what the rich man was begging for, some miraculous sign that would get his brother's attention. What he realizes, pride is a liar. Pride is lonely. But pride is lethal. It destroys your soul. It goes right to the core of who you are. It creates the ultimate barrier between you and God. And it's based on your total rejection of any love or mercy and grace that God has for you because I don't need it. I am good enough on my own. I'm okay. I'm not broken. I'm not hurting. And I keep holding on to this sense of goodness that I'm okay, that I've got this excessive value of myself and my pride blinds me to everything that I need. When Jesus is sitting there with open arms saying, I'm here for you. I've given everything for you. Would you just receive this gift? It's my own pride that keeps me from receiving that gift that he offers me. It's lethal. The antidote to pride is is the virtue of humility. This is the contrary virtue that counters pride. I have to be intentional. I have to be willing to identify the areas in my life where I've allowed pride to creep in any instance where I'm saying I'm better than, I'm not deserving of, I know what's going on, I'm fine. We've got to be willing to identify those areas in our lives where God is asking us just to be humble, to be poor in spirit. In Philippians chapter 2, we see this extraordinary example of humility that Jesus set for us. We touched on this last week, but this is important enough. I wanted to read through this again and, and have you follow along on the screens. Here's what we see in Philippians chapter 2, the picture of humility that Jesus set an example for us that Paul writes in in Philippians 2, 1 through 11. He says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the picture of humility that has been set for us, this example for us to follow. It's it's been laid out there by Jesus. He calls us to serve others. He calls us to love the way that we've been loved, to be compassionate and kind and merciful and gracious. 
to not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. I encourage you today to choose humility. I encourage you to think about these words in Matthew 5 where Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The poor in spirit is that person that says, I'm not okay. The poor in spirit is the person who's willing before God to say, I'm hurting, I'm broken, I don't have it all together. Being poor in spirit is when you say, Jesus, I need you. Talk to my guitar, talk to my imagination, confided into alcohol. I tried and tried and tried some more, told secrets till my voice was sore. Tired of empty conversation, cause no one hears me anymore. Stories and a hundred million songs I feel stupid when I sing Nobody's listening to me Nobody's listening I talk to shooting stars But they always get it wrong I feel stupid when I pray So why am I praying anyway If nobody's listening Anyway times I just need some more affection anything to get me by a hundred million stories and a hundred million songs I feel stupid when I sing cause nobody's listening to me nobody's listening I talk to shooting stars but they always get it wrong I feel stupid when I pray so why am I praying anyway, if nobody's listening, anyone, please send me anyone, Lord, is there anyone, I need someone, oh, anyone, please send me anyone. Is there anyone I need 
Nobody's listening to me. Nobody's.